It's time for the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, featuring Jonathan Rates, Alex Huff, and Braden Crow. What's happening, fantasy football world? Welcome into the Average Pros Fantasy Football Podcast, the fantasy football podcast that is bringing you the clear, concise, and competitive advantage you have been searching for in the time you're hoping for. I'm your host, Jonathan Rates, and uh, joined by the rest of the the guys here, Braden Crow and Alex Huff. So preseason week two is done. What are your maybe one, two sentence takeaways from from what you guys have seen so far? Mine would be Damian Pierce, running back, rookie running back for the Houston Texans, looks to be the starter at this point over Marlon Mack. Uh, Could be a late round buy possibly get a starting running back late in your draft grab him when you can yeah i would i would agree he appears to be the starter he rested uh this past week i think more than it being news that damian pierce is great i think it's more of um burkhead is done and mac is is not what he used to be and so uh i don't think pierce is going to be a a top guy but i think he's for sure going to be the starter out there it's been interesting seeing the different ways that teams are handling the preseason so far. I mean, when you had the four preseason games, it was very clear like who played what. But I was watching and it's like Mahomes is playing two series and, you know, Jared Goff isn't even starting at all and he's not going to start game three. And so it has been interesting with with who plays what. And so but yeah, Damian Pierce looks looks uh, electric. Yeah, Crow and I were talking about this a little bit offline about how it almost seems to be almost more for the preseason is almost more for coaches than it is for players. Like they're just trying to get their schemes right and get their strategies going. And some of the players takes are good, but some of them it's like they, the coaches could be resting somebody because it's a bad day or whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, somebody's overtaking someone, but yeah, to your point. It, Crow, Crow, before I drop my bombshell of preseason news, what do you got? Uh, I am watching the Tennessee Titans very intently. I, uh, if you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, you are familiar with a hot take then that I said that Malik Willis will start at least three games this season. And uh, it's looking like that's going to happen. He is too electric and the sidearm throws and the the uh, spinning out of the pocket and just the deep throws down. Like it just, this is a, this is just a recipe for him coming on later in the season. I'm super pumped for it. If you look close enough, his first read is Burks, and so I'm buying Burks too. I, I still think he's going to be a great player, and um, I'm I'm really excited to see what happens in Tennessee. Yeah, I don't hate that. The first after the first week when Malik Willis kind of had that highlight reel, uh, the coach Mike Verbal came out and seemed to be upset that Malik Willis was running too much. And he was like, "I want him to pass. He should have been passing more." That was kind of why he took him out. But then he gave him the green light in week two. So he's clearly doing – Mike Willis is clearly doing something right, and it looks good. Yeah, that subtle juke – maybe it's just a Tennessee Titans jersey, but when he gets out in space, it's very Vince Young-esque. I know Vince Young didn't have the greatest career in Tennessee, but he had some moments, and there were a couple of moves. Listen, that's not the comp you want, I don't think. In certain, in certain instances, just the way that he runs and the, the lack of effort he shows whenever he runs is – is impressive to me, but I get it. Vince Young's not the best, not the best of his <laughs> Titan comp. 
No, no, he definitely gives you Vince Young vibes. Uh, 2000, 2005 Heisman winner. He was the real Heisman winner. No one can convince me otherwise. Reggie Bush, I will never forgive you. Well, we're all on the same page there. You can't be convinced <laughs> about it? Uh, that was that was low-hanging fruit. Well, my bombshell for preseason, I was kind of joking about it with the guys before, but uh, there's some takes out there that Antonio Gibson is uh, maybe profiling since he's not getting the starts at the running back that he normally got. Maybe he's profiling as this year's Debo Samuel. And obviously that is absolute... Lee true. I think that uh, Antonio Gibson is uh, going to have to take on some unique roles uh, to have relevance this year. Uh, I don't know that he's got, he's got the wide receiver background though. Like would it be that crazy for him to kind of profile as a hybrid in the slot as well as, is getting the carries that, you know, once he shows he can hang on to the football. I don't know. No, I, I mean, we all know, and college in Memphis, he was a wide receiver for the most of his college career. So you can do it. Crow's face I, when I said absolutely true I, was so, almost worth the price of admission. You, you know, just see the upside, right? De- I mean, Debo Samuel Debo Samuel wasn't exactly the comp I was looking at. I think as a hybrid player, he profiles more as like a Tavon Austin. And I think as a kick returner, he uh, profiles as like a, a Devin Hester. So well, let's, that's where let's I'm the greatest kick returner no. of all time. No, Devin Hester, be- seven kick returns. That's 42 fantasy points already for you. So yeah, Hester was not a good running back, though. So, <laughs> Well, let's be fair, though, just real quick on Antonio Gibson, right? He, last year, this time last year, there was comps made between Antonio Gibson and Christian McCaffrey, right? So I think as a fantasy community, sometimes we are too quick to forget who we're high on. We've seen a, a small dip. There's a chance he's still there what we all saw. So I'm just, I don't, I wanted to bring that back up because literally a year ago he was the next Christian McCaffrey. I, I hear you. And I, at one point believed that the two days that McKissick was reported to sign at Buffalo, I believed it. What it comes down to to me is he can't hold on to the ball and that's a big deal. And I don't know how he's going to be able to hold on the ball. If he can't hold on to the ball, whenever he's lined up at running back and players are running just three and four yards at him, I don't know how he's going to be able to do it when players are running downhill 40 yards at him. Yeah, he he can't hold on the ball, just like Jamar Chase has small hands. I mean, I can't catch. I don't know if <laughs> I just <laughs> it's sure, Gibson it can happen, right? It's preseason, preseason mishaps. Everyone's kind of getting back in the swing of things. I, all right, sure. I we we digress on preseason. The the number one thing about preseason, what was your Number one rule: Fight Club uh, and training camp. Don't talk about. Don't believe everything you hear in training yeah. camp and preseason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun to to dream. I wish the listeners could see my face right now because you are I just not enthused. Well, that's okay because we're moving on. We're moving on. So today we are talking about uh, some players that we think maybe have a shot at the number one overall at their position. Obviously, you're going to have guys that uh, are going in like the first and second round that you're drafting them to be the number one. But uh, who are those guys? It'd be great to get Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup on your team uh, right out of the gate. But obviously, if you don't have three of the top six picks in a draft, you're not getting them. So who are those guys that you can kind of diversify your portfolio a little bit and maybe get the upside of some wide receiver ones? And uh, so we're going to go position by position and kick it off with with the quarterback. So 
obviously you've got, again, the Josh Allens, the Justin Herberts, the Patrick Mahomes, even the Lamar Jacksons who have either been a number one overall or are being drafted as that with that capital. So maybe you get one of them, but uh, if you do maybe a later quarterback approach or um, a mid round, um, who are some guys that maybe could could profile as as having that upside of number one overall? Uh, Huff, we'll start with you, man. Yeah, so the guy I'm going to pick feels kind of like low-hanging fruit because he finished as a top 10 quarterback last year. But the way he's being drafted right now is not reflective of that in the sense, and it is Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, going to make a little bit of a hot take here. Not saying he is going to be, but he has a similar parallel from a career arc as Josh Allen does, right? Josh Allen came into the league. He was on the Buffalo Bills, who were not a very good offense at the time. The Buffalo Bills had no really elite options, and Josh Allen, while mobile, struggled with some accuracy issues. They get Stephon Diggs in an offseason. Josh Allen takes a step forward from an accuracy perspective. You keep his mobility. And Brian Dable comes in and and really electrifies the offense. And Josh Allen is now the fantasy stud that we all know and love, right? Jalen Hurts came in kind of similar. The Eagles were not an electric offense. Jalen Hurts has some accuracy issues, all while he is a mobile quarterback. And the Eagles last year, really towards the end of the season, became a very run-heavy offense. If, if you put some of those pieces in place where he would take a step forward in accuracy, which I think we believe for all quarterbacks every offseason to take a little bit of a step forward in accuracy, if Nick Sirianni goes back to – and it's not like we didn't even see the Eagles have a, just a run-heavy offense. They had a pass-heavy offense at the beginning of last year. So if they just go back to that. And then the most important piece of this puzzle is the Eagles added an elite weapon in A.J. Brown, wide receiver that came over from the Tennessee Titans. They traded for him on draft day with to pair with an emerging second-year wide receiver in Devonta Smith, former Heisman Trophy winner, and Dallas Goddard, maybe not one of the best fantasy tight ends, but one of the more athletic NFL tight ends, right? And so I just don't think a lot of the arguments are far-fetched for him to be a, a high-end quarterback. Having said all that, and in, in addition to that, if I were to give you guys a little quiz from weeks one through weeks 11 last year, what quarterback ranking was Jalen Hurts in 2020? Number five. Pick uh, number three, my lord. Uh, yeah, let's go. Uh, number three. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with five. In weeks one through 11 last year in 2021, Jalen Hurts was the number one quarterback in fantasy. What? So... This isn't even saying something that couldn't happen. He already did it from weeks one through 11 last year. Weeks Around weeks 10 on is whenever their offense kind of shifted. They had some injuries. They went really run heavy. So this whole Jalen Hurts argument is not that far-fetched in the sense that he's already been there. He's already been elite. It just takes a couple small things for this offense to move in that direction to where Jalen Hurts could be. You're getting him later. You're getting him as a number eight quarterback number nine quarterback overall which is about where he finished but he i think if you miss on those top guys jalen hurts is a good guy he's going around russell wilson trey lance that grouping but he's a guy that we've already seen kind of go off as the number one quarterback he's got the mobility which we know is a cheat code for fantasy football 
I just think he's someone that's kind of getting slipped on a little bit. I think if within the context of this this episode, I think that's a good guy to to take later on. But hey, you can still kind of put in the bank that you're going to get a good good quarterback. Yeah, I think that if I'm not mistaken, Josh Allen, the year that he kind of went nuclear, he uh, got Stephon Diggs in uh, as that wide receiver. So I don't think it's crazy to say AJ Brown gives Jalen Hurts some some pop there. I will say 20 touchdown difference is <laughs> pretty significant between the number of touchdowns Josh Allen threw and the number that Jalen Hurts threw last year. Um, their rushing numbers were about the same, but I, it's not not too far-fetched in my mind. I know. Uh, well, so I'll kind of keep it going. You mentioned this quarterback when you were talking about him, kind of going around the same time, but a uh, new team, so some new faces to throw to, some new weapons. I'm talking about Russell Wilson, quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Obviously, with Nathaniel Hackett coming in as the um, OC there um, and being able to kind of provide a little bit of juice to a what's been since Peyton Manning a little bit uh, stagnant of an offense. We've got the uh, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy tandem. Um, you've got Javante Williams in the backfield, um, Albert O rising as an, as a target. And I just think Russell Wilson is healthy now. Um, he's already proven that he's got quarterback number one in him. Um, kind of like some of the other top guys that we talked about and, and just at his value of where he's going. Like you said, he's typically going after Jalen hurts, um, depending on the draft, sometimes even fall into the seventh and eighth round. And this is a guy that is no stranger to putting up five to 600 yards rushing in, in a season while pairing that with 4,000 to 4,500 yards passing. Um, and in the, the deep touchdowns, I mean, it's just a, a proven recipe and you just got him probably the best supporting cast of offensive weapons that he's ever had. And he's going to have a decent, the only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is the defense of the Denver Broncos, um, being as good as they are, he may not be playing from behind and it may not be that, uh, you know, shootout style, but being in the AFC West, I believe it is right. Uh, he is going to be playing some teams that they're going to have to score some points. So I see Russell Wilson as a great value and potentially finishing again. This will be, I think the last time he does it in his career, maybe a bold take, but if he's going to do quarterback one again, I think it's going to be this year. I, uh, I'm, I'm very much on Russell Wilson too. I, he's going to be healthy. He's in a really friendly offense for this. And it's like, Gosh, if he can be a if he can be a QB one, like not the QB one, but can be a QB one in a in a notoriously run heavy offense, how much more can he be a QB one in an offense that is giving him the reins and letting him do whatever he wants? So, uh, I I think it's a great pick. I have him in a league, and I'm I am so pumped to see what he does. Also. He has an amazing opening schedule. So if that's a tiebreaker for anyone, um, definitely look into Russ. So for me, uh, my quarterback, um, it I'm talking to all my uh, six-point throwing touchdown league people out there. It's Joe Burrow, um, Super Bowl runner-up. Um, I... I think Burrow definitely has, I think he has the most outside shot of these three to finish as the QB one, but he has immense talent. His team has a, has a ton of weapons. They have a great offensive line. They went from like 
bottom three or four to like eighth, I think. It's somewhere in that ballpark. I, I think that was on uh, Fantasy Pros, maybe. Um, and I was reading earlier. But yeah, I just think there's enormous room for growth. I mean, we look at people like Tom Brady last year with his weapons, and Tom Brady went off. He finishes the QB2, um, and you know he's not mobile, obviously. Neither is Burrow after this injury a couple of years ago. And so anyways, I think that Burrow has just as great of a shot. I was able to grab him in a draft last night and um, it's not necessarily the most flashy. Like it's definitely not as flashy as Hertz or Wilson, but you shouldn't feel gross drafting Joe Burrow. And I think uh, too many people do. So um, that's kind of my take on Joe Burrow. I think he could finish as the QB one. Yeah. I like that, especially because we do see it's not the majority, but we see a handful of quarterbacks every year finish in the top five ish top eight who don't have a lot of rushing ability. Joe Burrow is mobile. Not going to like discredit him that he can't run at all, but it he can definitely run more than Tom Brady, but he's in that more pass-heavy quarterback offense, and I think there's no debate that he has some of the top options in the league in terms of wide receiver weapons. So I like that take. I think he is getting a little disrespected. You look at somebody like Justin Herbert, right, who has maybe – maybe we've just seen it a little bit more, but he's a similar – He's got some weapons. He's not as mobile and he's being drafted much higher. So I like that take. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that I wouldn't take over Tom Brady in a foot race. So I, I hope Joe Burrow is not offended by you saying he's a little bit more mobile than Tom Brady. <laughs> but I, I see where you're going with that. With the establishing the floor without yeah. the appendix, you know, uh, you know, there's, he's going to be lighter though. So anyway. Okay, moving on to the running backs then. Again, we've got the guys that are obviously being taken in that first and second round, like the Jonathan Taylors, the Christian McCaffreys, the Dalvin Cooks, even Alvin Kamara, now that we know he's not getting suspended probably this year, most likely. Uh, And, you know, the Ecklers and the Derrick Henrys. But who are those guys that are coming up next? Uh, For me, man, that's Javante Williams. I know I'm going to sound like a Broncos fan over here talking about Russell Wilson, then Javante, but... Uh, he's really shown, we've talked about on some previous shows, just taking over that that primary running back role. And he's got the three down back capability. Melvin Gordon, even himself, has said like, hey, they want Javante to be the guy, like for the backup running back to come out and say that, uh, or the guy that's maybe trying to be the 1B. I think that says volumes about what they're trying to do with Javante. And again, with a better offense, they should be in um, plus game scripts with that defense as well. And they're going to be scoring more. And so I think Javante is a smash at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round. He can be a running back two if you're going running back heavy. And he also has that running back one upside. And in Dynasty, I mean, it's just Dynasty startups. Yeah, draft Javante. Yeah, I think I've said this in a prior pod, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse too much. But I think if Belvin Gordon, if we weren't considering that factor, we're looking at Javante Williams this year as last year's Jonathan Taylor and what he did from an advanced metric perspective and what his potential is this coming year. So I just want to reiterate that. Yeah, I love Javante. I, um, that's kind of been a strategy I've been taking in drafts this year of like, okay, I need, I know I need to get running backs. I, I need, I need to at least get one fairly early. And I'm always looking at Javante in that place because I'm always looking to see, is there a possibility that the running back I take here can finish as the RB one? And the answer for Javante is absolutely yes. So I love that pick, Jonathan. Um, 
my pick is not too far off from Javante. It is Aaron Jones. And so I kind of want to use the same argument that every um, person who drafts A.J. Dillon says, which is A.J. Dillon is super talented. He's in a great offense. There's lots of vacated targets. He still catches the ball. He does great. And if Aaron Jones ever happens to go down, he's just immediately an RB1 and has the possibility to lead the to lead the league in scoring on any given week. And that is absolutely true for Aaron Jones too. He's crazy talented. He is a pass catching back. He is quick. He's shifty in the backfield. He has Aaron Rodgers trust and not that we want anyone to get hurt, but if Aaron, but if AJ Dillon did get hurt and Aaron Jones is alone, he is not only getting receiving work. He's not only working between the twenties, he's getting red zone carries. He's getting red zone touches. He's getting, goal line touches and i just think that that aaron jones to the moon like he 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 could finish as the rb1 with the amount of upside the amount of vacated targets and what trust and um skill is required to work in a um, packers offense with lafleur and with rogers so that's who i would say I think the one thing you just watch out with Aaron Jones is his boom games. If he is what if he is running back one, I think he's going to have maybe some 30, 40 point games sprinkled in there with some like 10, 15 point games. And so I think it'll be I don't think his floor is super low, but I think his ceiling is really high. And so those games that he's going to win you weeks, you know, are going to be sprinkled in there kind of with, I think, some lower ones. That would be my only thought to kind of as you're drafting Aaron Jones, think about. Yeah, and I would agree with that too. I think was it twenty nineteen to twenty twenty? He finishes a top four running back both of those years. I want to say top two running back one of those years, and then his splits also. I you know I apologize, I don't have them on hand, but his splits when he's on the field without Devontae Adams is very productive, and obviously Devontae Adams was traded to the Raiders, so I like that too. Um, I'll transition. My running back here is. DeAndre Swift and DeAndre Swift was kind of one of those guys last year that we looked at and said, Hey, this, this is a guy that could finish there. And he had some injuries. Um, I'm going to use the same sample that I used for Jalen hurts earlier in this podcast from weeks one through 11. Um, DeAndre Swift was the running back three last year. Um, with Jalen hurts, I used weeks one through 11 because that was when the Eagles had a lot of injuries happen and, they kind of switched games a little bit for DeAndre Swift. He got hurt in week 12 and he played, he had three touches in week 12. He got hurt very early on in that week. So his season is really encompassed in weeks one through 11, where he was the running back three. I don't see a world where he doesn't continue with that pace, especially because maybe you're a hard knocks fan, maybe you're not, but the lions, really have no option but to take a step forward from last year. Um, no offense, Jonathan, who's diehard Lions fan here, but they the Lions at least look to take a small step forward, if anything, right, at, at minimum. If they do that, they don't have the most elite pass-catching weapons. DeAndre Swift has that pass-catching ability. He is already has a good rapport with Jared Goff, and if you are watching Hard Knocks, he is he's the guy, right? Deuce Daly, the running backs coach, is saying, hey – you are the guy. We want to focus things around you. Um, he already finishes the running back three when he was healthy last year. I mean, I think he's all systems go, and he's a good guy. If you can't get a Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, or say you want to get 
you know, a Cooper Cup up there, Jamar Chase instead. I think DeAndre Swift is a guy you can get later, second round. He might creep up, but right now, second round, sometimes third round, that has the ability to finish up there in that top top tier of running backs. So that's the guy that I have this year, and I'm taking him pretty much everywhere I can. You mentioned me as the Lions truther, so I'll read you this text real quick. I had one of my other leagues, so it was, Rach, your Lions going to make some noise this year. D-Swift, top five running back. And of course, me being a Lions fan, I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, us making noise is going seven and ten. And he's like, no, not in real life, just in fantasy. Like playing from behind is good for fantasy players. So <laughs> it was kind of a shot to the heart of like, no, the, the team is still going to suck. But uh, you do have some fantasy players to make some noise. And DeAndre Swift obviously leading that. So I'm at least excited about that. Yeah, I think we like negative game scripts for pass catchers in general. That includes pass catching running backs. So DeAndre Swift should get some work there just because the Lions are maybe are not going to be the Super Bowl champions. I hate to break that news to you. Maybe are probably not. Yeah, it's it's okay. <laughs> 15 years of being a Lions fan, you get there pretty easily. So, well, keeping on with this theme of talking about some guys that could be, uh, you know, those outside shots, we'll start, we'll go with wide receivers. So again, guys going early on, like the Justin Jeffersons, the Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, even Debo Samuel. These are guys that obviously are going to have that wide receiver one upside. But uh, some guys that are, are just outside that, um, you know, Huff, you can kick off with again, or excuse me, Crow, you can kick off with the Broncos keeping, keeping the theme going. Yeah. So uh, before I say my guy, I just want, I just want you to picture it. Does everyone remember where we were in 2010 and 2011? Do you guys remember watching the playoff game? Jabbar Gaffney? Yeah, Jabbar Gaffney. Those, those were the days. Let's go back to those days. Do you remember? Do you remember watching uh, the Broncos somehow with Tim Tebow as quarterback make the playoffs? And not only did they make the playoffs, they on their opening drive score an overtime on a slant pass to Demarius Thomas, goes 70 something yards, wins. Everyone goes crazy in mile high. It was amazing. Tim Tebow had like 1,700 yards that year. He was a pathetic quarterback, really bad quarterback play. Okay, great guy. Pathetic is such a strong word. Okay, do you do you you say that about Tim Tebow? Okay, would you want your fantasy quarterback to throw seventeen hundred yards? I digress. Okay, so that happens. Everyone's amazed, but everyone knows he's not the answer. So something changes, and what happens is they exchange the Tim Tebow's of the world, the Kyle Orton's, and they bring in a future Hall of Famer in Peyton Manning. And they go from a normal offense, barely making into the playoffs and to a offense that is, it lit the world on fire. It was generational. I mean, there was a year that Manning threw 55 touchdown passes and Demarius Thomas jumped from being this bottom dwelling wide receiver who caught a slant pass and actually got known and notable for that. He wasn't known before that. And so whenever Manning came into town, Demarius Thomas was a highly ranked rookie wide receiver. He came into town in his third year and he lit the world on fire. And I'm just saying that bringing in a future Hall of Fame quarterback and giving him the keys to your offense can change everything. So my guy that I think can finish as a one is Jerry Judy. I'm super high on him. I and I think Sutton can do it too, but I'm just looking at Judy and I'm seeing the talent. I'm seeing 
all the different advanced metrics. I'm seeing um, just the way he can run routes. And I, I'm super high on him. I am not um, taking lightly that a Hall of Fame quarterback is moving to an offense that has said, we trust you. We see you're the best in the game and we want you, we want you to be running our offense. So I want a piece of that because I mean, Thomas went from not even being ranked in the top 50 to being in Manning's first year, the number five wide receiver. He was the number one the year after that. So that's my guy. You made up for your comment about Tim Tebow with that beautiful allegory. Very, very well said. Thank you. I, I could picture it all. Yeah. And the thing I'll add here too, is I know, it's Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton, right? Uh, last year with a new quarterback coming into town on the Rams, we were talking about Cooper Cup or Robert Woods, right? So it's kind of pick your guy, see which one happens. I will say the splits on the field, when Jerry Judy's on the field, even last year, he's the guy. So I like that point. I'm higher on Jerry Judy as well. The guy I'm going to talk about really quick, and I will make it brief, is Marquise Hollywood Brown. The reason I like him, if you don't get some of those top wide receivers, is he my, Hollywood Brown current last year was on the Baltimore Ravens, was traded this year to go to the Arizona Cardinals. Him and Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, were teammates at OU. They have a rapport already. Everyone that's talking about the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams rapport in college and all these things, Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown have that. Um and I think we kind of underrated what Marquise Brown was as a prospect. He was one of the higher prospects in his draft class. He had kind of a down year, but he was on the Baltimore Ravens, a very run-heavy offense with a quarterback in Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP because he was basically a running back, right? I think – and then even last year, their games one through seven, so there was a little bit of some injury things, and then – the offense changed a little bit, but just weeks one through seven, Marquise Brown was the wide receiver seven last year with Lamar Jackson on a run heavy offense, right? On the Baltimore Ravens. We know that for better or worse, right? DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for the first eight games this year. So Hollywood Brown is the number one guy for the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen Kyler Murray be great, especially towards the beginning of last year before he also got injured towards the end of last year and had some hiccups. So I just like him. I think the upside's tremendous. I think there's a non-zero chance that we walk into week eight when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, or I guess week nine, and Hollywood Brown's like a top three wide receiver in that span. And so I think if you're trying to get off to a hot start, which if you want to make the playoffs, right, you got to start hot, you got to keep going. I think he's a good guy to get in your middle rounds that, can definitely give you that upside, maybe that kind of nitrous button that not every player in that range can give you. And we know how familiar Marquise Brown is with the nitrous button. No, the the one thing I will say about Hollywood, because I've bought him in a ton of leagues, is I think if his season was flipped, and I think that if he started off slow, but just lit the world on fire at the end of the season, I think that he would be being drafted as a wide receiver who could finish as a number one and he's not right now. So he's a huge discount. Well, speaking of discounts, my guy without further ado is Mike Williams. Uh, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts lately, getting ready for some drafts that I've got coming up and I've been getting Mike Williams consistently, literally every time at the four or five turn drafting from the one spot and man, Mike Williams in the fifth round just feels 
awesome. Uh, obviously, Keenan Allen has been there for years and been a staple for the Chargers, but people are talking about the Chargers as a Super Bowl team. I uh, think maybe Jamar Chase, T. Higgins uh, comp with arguably a better quarterback in Justin Herbert. And uh, I think that Mike Williams, this is a year that uh, at first I wasn't like this, but uh, you guys have kind of helped me get to this point. And after drafting him and kind of looking into some comps and stuff, Mike Williams overcomes Keenan Allen. I love Keenan Allen in a PPR league, but uh, I think that Mike Williams is, this is a year he's always had sections of a season where he's been really great. Um, last year he was, you know, one of the top wide receivers before he went down with that knee injury. And uh, I think this year he's going to stay healthy, uh, hopefully, and he will return, um, over return on that investment with um, where he's being drafted. So really excited to get Mike Williams and think he could be that number one guy. Yeah, and I, I don't know if we quite preface this, but for all of these players, whenever you don't hit on the highest players, after that, you're really not looking for floor plays, right? You're not looking for guys that can just get you, a, you know, eight to 10 points. You're looking for guys that can win you your week. Mike Williams has proven he can do that. Same with Hollywood Brown, same with what we think Jerry Judy could do, right? But I think Mike Williams, more than anyone, has already done that on a consistent basis, but he's not being drafted as if he does it on a regular basis. So I think that's a great call. Sweet. Well, let's finish this thing with some tight ends. Obviously with the tight end position, a little bit more unique when you're talking about those top guys of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, which actually I think we are going to talk a little bit about him, but, uh, you're looking for like severe values, um, with, with tight end, maybe not finish as a top tight end, but maybe a tight end three tight end five, even would be super awesome whenever you're going that route. And so just a couple of guys, uh, that we, we had mentioned, um, Huff, if you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and and talk about that. You know, you've talked about Dallas Goddard and with that Philadelphia Eagles team and some of the changes there and his athleticism. Definitely a guy that we're looking at. What, what's he going in like the seventh kind of eighth round right now? Um, am, am I correct there? Yeah, it looks like he's going sometimes even in the ninth ninth round ish. He's in that T.J. Hawkinson, Dalton Schultz range. Um, but all of my arguments for him are just the same as Jalen Hurts, right? If Jalen Hurts takes a step forward. Dallas Goddard does and Dallas Goddard was great at the end of last season. And he's that balance, right? Of just, you know, you can get most of your positions filled out and then still get a really solid tight end potential with the upside. Um, And then mine's a little bit different, but in a similar vein, uh, Dalton Schultz, I think with uh, the lack of wide receiver talent there in in Dallas um, or the lack of depth, he's going to have a lot of opportunities. And I was thrown off, thrown off, uh, by the fact that he was the tight end three last year. Um, so just think that there's a lot of potential there. So Crow, I'll let you close out. You know, there's some passion here. So talk about why Kyle Pitts is going to be the number one overall tight end and supplant Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I am so amped on Kyle Pitts and it happens more and more as each day goes on. Um, so Kyle Pitts is... I mean, everyone says he's a legendary talent. He actually is. He is the he is one of two tight ends ever as a rookie to eclipse a thousand yards. The only other is Mike Didka in the sixties. Like that's a totally different time for football. And Kyle Pitts did it. He's legendary talent. He is Jonathan's laughing at me because I brought up Mike Didka. Um I was not expecting that. That just came from like <laughs> left. We brought up Vince Young. Field. We brought up Jabbar Gaffney, and now it's Mike Didka. So we are hitting for the we're hitting for the cycle. Yeah. So, um, 
but he's he really is generational. He he is lining up as a wide receiver just as much as he is a tight end. He is their best player. They are going to force feed him the ball. I mean, he just he comes down with every deep ball. It's he's just incredible as a as a offensive weapon. So, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of him. And anytime I can put a wide receiver into my tight end slot, it's a cheat code. It reminds me a lot of how McCaffrey is he caught passes in a way that he acted like a wide receiver. Just it feels like one of those fantasy cheat codes. And so I'm really excited to have him this year. I think in the third round is a screaming value for him because this time next year, there's a legitimate shot that he's going to be the number one overall being the number one overall tight end being drafted. Um, you know, as a, as a tight end, he finished as six or seven with one touchdown. If you just gave him the, the normal amount of touchdowns, a rookie wide receiver had last year, you gave him five touchdowns. He would have finished as the tight end four. And if you put that into a wide receiver ranking, he would have finished with McLaurin, with Amari Cooper, and with Adam Thielen. He would have finished as a he would have finished right outside the range of a wide receiver two. And he he would have passed Devonta Smith, Kadarius Tony, Bateman, uh, Elijah Moore, Amon Ra, all that. And so I'm super high on him. Get him now because if you wait any longer, you won't be able to. This is the season. It's gonna he's gonna shake everything up. Yeah, I was going to make a counterpoint, but you threw me off with the kicking and screaming reference with Mike Dick over there. Um, but no, I so my only point with Kyle Pitts is that, um, you know, outside of Will Ferrell movies, that honestly, if Kyle Pitts is a rookie wide receiver and he eclipses a thousand yards, right? And we've seen this consistently with rookie wide receivers. Jalen Waddell is the most recent one who was drafted in the kind of the second round range before the Tyreek Hill trade, we're drafting Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver. I mean, ahead uh, in the conversation of guys, we're not even talking about on this podcast of like draft day steals because he's so far up there. And with all of that, he's also a tight end, which that never happens. And tight end is at a premium. And so I'm totally in on your point. I think if you haven't bought in on him, you probably can't at this point. I mean, it's, and if you don't do it this year, it's game over. And if you need any more proof, just go back to the Monday night football game to cap off preseason week two, where 46 seconds into the game, Kyle Pitts catches a 52 yard pass from Marcus Mariota to open that game. So we are done here. We had a, a great time. Thanks for letting us talk. I know we went a little bit long, but had a lot of players that we talked about. So hopefully that was helpful for y'all. Um, thanks so much for listening. And uh, if we, Gave you some good things to think about. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave us a like, uh, subscribe to our podcast so you know when we're doing those weekly podcasts now, um, or follow us on Twitter at, at AverageProsFF. If you want to stay with us weekly as the season starts, that's going to be a great way to keep up with us. So that does it for us. We're over time. We're out of time. Until next time, we're the Average Pros. See ya. Your time is valuable. And we thank you for sharing a little of it with the average pros. For more clear, concise, and competitive analysis, be sure to follow us on Twitter at AverageProsFF. That's at AverageProsFF. Editing and production by Jonathan Rates. Voiceover by Ben Johnson. Music by Josh Lippy and the Overtimers. We'll catch you at the next one.